0: So we're talking about rhythm this month, uh, the cycles of of relationships and, and having rhythm rather than balance. And we try to put balance on scales, and we say, oh, we've got all these balls that are going in the air. And we usually categorize them with work and with family and with finances and with health. We put all these balls, and then we start juggling them, and we just try to keep everything active and going on and make sure that w- none of the balls fall, when really God intended us to live a life of rhythm rather than balance, and so today we're going to be talking about rhythm in the cycles of life, and as we were going through the, the, the various uh, messages for the month, uh, I said to Dave if there's, because he knew he was going to be away, I said, if there's one that I could pick, I would love to do this one this morning on the cycles of life and how how we have rhythm in family and how we have rhythm in different seasons of our life. So that's what I'm going to talk about this morning. I'm going to ask them to put the Ecclesiastes chapter three back up. We had this up two weeks ago and I'm going to ask you to read this out loud with me, all right? Let's say this together. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant And a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones. A time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to gain. A time to lose. A time to keep a time to tear, a time to sew, a time to keep silence, a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. God, I thank you for your word. And God, it gives us freedom to know that you put us in a rhythm. And there's various seasons that we will walk through. And God, I pray that as we open up that word this morning, we expand on it. God, that for everyone that is hearing, everyone that is listening, that it would give life to those who find them. Because that's what you said it would do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good to know that there are cycles, that God put cycles of life and that he put ecclesiastes chapter 3 in the bible and when you think about the cycles there's there's a lot of cycles that are going on right now there's there's you know there's cycles in the arts there's cycles in in art and paintings, there's cycles in literature. Uh, there's cycles in music. There's uh, there's cycles in photography. Uh, there's cycles now in media, which has been much more in the last century. There's there's these various cycles that go on in that area. Then there's other cycles, of course, in in life with plants and animals, and that's which which we're talking. We're gonna really zero in on. And then there's these other cycles of objects that have the shortest lifespan of all, but seem to take the most time for us to think about. For example, a car, a house, furniture, it's those objects, that we have to spend so much time thinking about and acquiring, but really their life cycle is very short. And when you put that in a bigger perspective of life cycles that go on from generation to generation, hopefully it helps us to think, you know, I don't want to spend so much time thinking about those things that are going to wither, but they really are going to be gone. How many of you have had the same car all the years of driving? Okay, and don't answer that if you're like 20. But if you've had a car for any length of time, you know that things just going to wear out. And you know things just they they depreciate and they're and they're done. But that's not what God intended for us. In fact, he gave us a really great blueprint when he put in Ecclesiastes to show us how to run the race with endurance because you know if we lived in a time of war all the time it would just be full on all the time and that's not just war in a country but that's even war sometimes in prayer there's a place of war there's a time that you just have to push through for something because things that you're having to contend for your very future and in during that time of prayer that season can seem really long but you know what? There will be an end. This gives great hope. In fact, uh, David in, the Psalm, in, in Psalm 27, he said, I would have despaired. I actually would have lost hope. Had I not believed, I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Not when he died. He said, in the land of the living. I'm not always going to be here. In other words, this isn't, I'm not always going to be having to fight this hard to feel like I can keep going on. The, second part of that, the next part of that verse, it says, wait on the Lord. yes wait on the lord in other words just i'm gonna i'm gonna trust you even though i don't get what's going on so it's good to know that there's these cycles of life that that we get to go through and god walks us through them and he helps us to establish a rhythm in this rhythm where he's the master builder there's a couple of other cycles that i'm going to talk about this morning one is a cycle of prayer and the other one is uh is also talking about a cycle called rituals, which are really key. And that's really the one I'm going to zone in on, because rituals are really key to our well-being. And God knew exactly what he was doing. In fact, look how many rituals. If you've ever read through the first five books, which is called the Pentateuch, if you've ever read through those first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the five books that Moses wrote, you'll find that there was a lot of rituals that are involved, that God set into motion and Moses, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote those down. And so those rituals are really key to the Lord, but they, you know what? They're, they're key to us. And uh, we're going to talk about those, how they fit into our cycle of life. Rituals defined is a repeated activity that creates meaning in a culture. Now that could be a culture of a country, again, like I said earlier, but it could also be the culture of a church. It could be the culture of your home. Have you ever... Do you remember when you, those of you that were married, are are married, and you had uh, your kind of your family set values and these rituals that were really not even spoken about. You just assumed that's what everybody did. And then you get married and and you come into another family, especially at Christmas, and they have a completely different set of rituals. And you have to kind of find your way around what's expected of you. And so we all have these rituals in in one form or another, people coming. When you go from one church and you move to another city and you attend another church, you have to find the culture, and there's a little bit of a different ritual that goes on. Bottom line is the same, but we we tend to have these rituals, and they're usually not spoken about. They're usually not written in order, like these are the rules of the rituals. And uh, although I did find a book that talked about that, and I believe we have it in our bookstore on, on Rhythm, and it's hilarious how many things you just take for granted that everybody should know. How many of you know that at Christmas time you wrap the gifts? Well, why do we all know that? It's not written anywhere that you. But to give gifts at Christmas time that are unwrapped, it's like no, you have to wrap gifts at Christmas time, and you have to get together as a family at Christmas time, and you have to have turkey at Christmas time. But those aren't written down anyway. These are the rules of Christmas, and uh, but it's a ritual. rituals have found to produce something called limbic resonance where the left and the, and the right side of the brain hemisphere come together and they, they bring this resounding sense of warmth of an endearment and when you have a ritual that works and that you just feel like I wouldn't miss this for anything it actually physically affects you and it brings, it brings great health to you or to your children and your family and they hold uh, significant rituals hold a me- a level of meaning and significance that words alone cannot capture. An example of a ritual in our country would be the singing of our national anthem at our NHL games, which, by the way, they're done. Oh, God is so good. His mercy really does endure forever. And we saw that again in 2010. Hmm. Mm-hmm. go on (laughs) then there's a ritual of prayer and I think the ritual of prayer also has cycles I'd mentioned sometimes you feel like you're just in a time of war in prayer but then there's just times where you're just in a place of rejoicing sometimes those seasons of prayer is you just being alone with the Lord maybe with a journal and and you just you're just going through the Proverbs and and it's just this season of just of exuberance and it's just such thankfulness. And then there's another time where you're just really having to dig in maybe on leadership or on family values or on direction. And you really have to zone in in prayer on a specific. And so we go through these seasons of prayer, but it doesn't matter what season we're in. I love the verse that's found in Philippians chapter four, verse six. And it says this in prayer, talking about prayer, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And okay, that's a great verse all on its own, because he's, and he's not saying, let me suggest to you, if, if you're in a place of anxiety, let me help you out. No, he's saying, don't be anxious. And then he's being very specific to us. Well, you know what I love about the Lord is if he says something very specific, he always gives the outcome, which he does on this verse in the following verse. He says, and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. When you have a piece of God flowing after, when you've been anxious, you go into a place of prayer and you commit all that stuff to the Lord and you've given it all to him in this cycle of prayer. And you've just God, I just have to lay this because I don't know it. I don't get it. I don't understand it. And you come off your knees. You come away from that time of being with God one-on-one. Your situation hasn't changed. The people haven't changed surroundings haven't changed. What's changed? Peace of God. What's changed is he's now put this peace of God. It says what? He put a guard around you. He put a guard around your heart and your mind, all those thoughts that want to bombard you, that bring anxiety. He's just guarded you from that. And you can walk in this place of peace even though your outward circumstances look exactly the same. What a great joy that he's given us to be able to get into his presence like that and to have a thankful heart because it, that's part of it is being thankful there's in the in in the britain's royal navy they have something called an all still alarm and especially when they're in a submarine and uh, something goes wrong and uh, there's a panic attack over the loudspeaker someone says all still and when all still is proclaimed Everybody stops. They are not allowed to move or speak for three minutes. Entire crew. Everybody stops. And after those three minutes, they said they're able to make a much better decision. In fact, it says the three minutes of silence has an exponential effect in the middle of a turbulent or disorientated happening. I think that would be a great example for us. Let's go to an all still place. Because really, that wasn't the British Royal Navy's idea. It was God's. Would you put this verse, Psalm 46 up? And this was really God's idea. And, uh, And he knew exactly what he was doing when he said, Be still and know that I am God. Have a be still. Have an all still moment. Can you imagine? Or maybe you do this on a regular basis. But I would venture to say most of us don't spend three minutes in complete silence and don't even move. When we're, in, when we're in a place of, especially when we're in a stressful situation, especially when we need to make a quick move fast, which is what they would have to do in a setting that they call an all still. And when you're in that place of, of just like, ah, everything's happening, and I don't know what's going on, to, at that point to stop for three minutes and just to be still and know that I am God. The next, next slide is to be still and know that I am. I am. Who is God? He is the great I am. Then the next one, just be still and know. The next one, be still. And finally, be. Do you remember last week, Pastor Dave said, sometimes I think we're more... Uh, we're more doers than we are being. We're we're called human beings, but really we're a lot of human doings. We just do, 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 do. And God calls us a be. He calls us a being just to be. And he's given us the formula on how to be still and know that he is God. And it's found in a verse like Philippians 4, verse 6. So we're going to go into the, the cycles of life, which is really called living in the dash. I know you've heard that before, but if you've ever been to a cemetery you know that there's that birth date and there's that date of of death and in between is this little dash and every one of us are living in the dash that's that's your entire life is in that little slot and one of the parentheses of your life is found in psalm one uh what's it found in psalm 139 verse 16 where it says i knew you i formed you in your mother's womb in fact, the days, every day I fashioned for you. I mean, there's a lot of talk about fashion and, and what to wear. And do you know that God fashioned today for you? If he could dress you for today, he fashioned a day for you. And that's the parenthesis on one side is, is Psalm 139. The parenthesis on the other side of your life is eternity. And in between there are these various cycles. And I'm going to talk about a few of them. One being the cycle of, of uh of a newborn, that preschool age, and then going on to the school age, and then going on to the teenage years, and then going into the young adult age, and then going into that thirty to fifty something, and then going into that sixty plus decades time and season of our lives. And in every one of those seasons, we can extract different things from those that whether we're in that season or there's people in our life that are in that in a, a season other than the one that we're in. And as we do that, you know what we do? We build rhythm, rhythm in prayer. And we build rhythm in rituals. So I'm going to share a few stories of some rituals that as a family we have found really helpful. And I trust that it will help you as well. Going to that first stage of that uh, newborn to preschool, uh, it is such a great time. It's that discovery. It's that learning. It's all about me. If you've had a young child and you were once this child, that everything, the world revolved around you. And every toy was yours. Every person was yours to go to if you needed them. And basically, I am it when you're that age. And if you've had little ones, to to teach them that there's to share and to be around other people and it's not all about you is really difficult because it is all about them. And uh, the greatest thing about this season and cycle of life, and I felt so privileged to be able to impart and imprint into. To, I was going to say at least four kids, um, at least four of them I had, um, is is that empty canvas and you get to be the one that does those paint strokes and imprints values into their mind. You're the one that that soil has never been touched and you get to put the imprint of godly values into them and they stick and they stay. It's that photograph that you get to click for them and put up and say, that's where you're going, that's who you are. And it's such a delight amongst the busyness of that season because they're so active. But if you can, and if there's someone even close to you that has a child in that age category, do what you can to be God's hands and God's God's voice for them and imprint and impress God's values into those young ones. It's so it's it's one of the greatest seasons. Psalm or not Psalm, but Deuteronomy six verse six and seven says this, and I think we have that on a slide as well. It says, "These words which I command you today shall be in your heart." Stop. You cannot give somebody something that you don't have yourself. And to say I'm going to raise up godly children and they're going to know and and they're just going to love Jesus the way they should love Jesus will not happen unless I love Jesus the way I should love him, and I'm committed to serving him with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of mine, and all of my strength. Now, that's not my motivation to have that so it can be imparted to them because it wouldn't be enough of a motivation for me to keep living like that. But to be able to impart what I have to give to them shall be in their heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you should talk to them when you sit in your house. When you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Basically, that's all the time. It's teaching, and it's talking, and it's walking, and it's lying down. It's that bedtime time where you get to just speak those those wonderful words to them. You get to speak a scripture like you find in this book, which is, again, if you... Uh, this is... Uh, I'm I'm just so impressed with this book. And you give them scripture for them, read them over and over and over again to them and and speak God's word to them. Teach diligently. Talk of it when you sit. It's it's a joy. Some of the rituals that we had when our children were that age... um, we would memorize verses. We would, we'd sing them actually and then then that's how they would memorize them and and I I said, you know what, I think if they're going to listen to any kind of music, it should be worship music. It should be music that glorifies the Lord. In fact, when our firstborn uh, was in the hospital and she had to stay there after I was released and I'd go back in to to feed her and to be with her and one time I went in there and they had this country and western music blaring and she was in this room all by herself with this country music playing. I said, I don't want her to like country and western music And so I brought a cassette well, Yeah, cassette. I brought a cassette player with a tape of worship music And I said okay if she's going to be in here for a few days Would you please put this on instead of country and western And they said well that's not going to affect her We really like it I said no I want her to listen to worship music And they're like whatever First baby first mom You know I know they they get kind of wacky anyway So yeah yeah we'll do it And, and they did And, and um I'm sure if her dad would have been in there, he would have left the country. No. (laughs) So we made uh, rituals of what kind of music was in our home. We made rituals of of a bedtime ritual, of how we went to bed and how we prayed. And there was a pattern that began. And then if that pattern wasn't followed, the kids would stop you and say, Mommy or Daddy. And they would want it followed exactly the same way. One ritual that we did was when their dad would come home and, and we had a couple of little ones they were only a year apart so when they were like three and two it started at about that age and he would, I knew when he would be coming home from work I got them all cleaned up cleaned up their toys and I said you guys daddy's coming home let's get ready for daddy to come home and so I cleaned them up as much as I could and, and I would go by the front window and say daddy's going to be home pretty soon daddy's going to be home so that when he walked in the door we were like daddy yay daddy's home what a great welcome for the man of the house and for men we need to value you in that way we want you to be the head of our house we want you to be exalted when you walk in and especially if it's a stay home mom and you're able to stay at home with your babies and your kids man when he walks in that door let that be like let the banner fly let bring out the confetti let it be amazing and that became a ritual for us so that when he would walk into the place where the kids would say they kind of knew in their, little, in their little clock that it must be time for daddy to come home and they'd say mommy mommy is daddy coming home And say, yeah you know what we better get ready daddy's coming home and so we would get ready and and go hi daddy daddy daddy's home and what a thrill for him after after being gone all day to be able to come into that kind of environment and so it was a ritual for the children to train them up as well and how to treat the head of the house and to treat their daddy and to treat Uh, And for me to treat my husband Billy Sunday said this He said to train a boy in the way he should go You must go that way yourself And I think it's just such a true A true statement Next age group is the school age And that's the age where they dare to step out They're pliable, they're teachable And they start forming their own opinions That's a time where up until then Where you have said I think you need to do this And they might say well why do i need to do that and they're just it's not that they're they're not they're not coming against you they're not being rebellious they're just formulating their own opinions and their own ideas of of why they are to do what they do it's also considered the time of age of accountability or age of reason and that age of reason is known to be the age of 12 but between 10 and 12 is a really key point in every child's life it was in yours and it's during that season that you begin to understand for the first time that there will be a consequence for your moral actions. For whatever you do, you, all of a sudden you have a, a very keen sense of right or wrong. And when you do something wrong, there's a conviction. There's you. They begin to understand it. That's why during that age group, it is so important to teach them about the love of Christ and to have a relationship with Jesus. That's why most church kids, if you did a poll of church-going children give their hearts to the Lord. Most of them, it's during that season. And it's just such an incredible age, such a pliable age to to have around you and uh, and for those of you that have families to really zone in on that area. I've got a little clip from uh, a little boy who's in that area. And for those of you that have families, or maybe this will remind you of you when you were that age. Let's go ahead and show this. Darn thing. Oh. Come on, Russell, would you oh, hurry it up? I'm tired, and my knee hurts. Which knee? My elbow hurts, and I have to go to the bathroom. I asked you about that five minutes ago. Well, I didn't have to go then. I don't want to walk anymore. Oh, stop. Russell, if you don't hurry up, the tigers will eat you. There are no tigers in South America. Zoology. Ah, oh. oh, for the love of Pete. Go on into the bushes and do your business. Okay, here, hold my stuff. Yeah, there you go. If you've ever been around somebody that age, that pretty well depicts that age That age group. I'm tired. I don't want to... So you have to take that, be in rhythm with whatever season that you're in, whether or not you have children in that age category, or like I said, you might just, just even remember what it was like for you. Because every one of us have the ability to be able to imprint something into the people around us, especially in the family of God. You know, when you became a believer and you planted yourself in the house of God, your family grew. It multiplied. And to think that we can just walk in the door on Sunday and leave again really is a fallacy. Our life is being watched. And in particular, our lives are being watched by kids that are younger than we are. And they just watch, and they just observe, and they just see how we do things. It's a great, great way to say, God, help me to get into the rhythm of just being able to even recognize that there's kids around me. Some of us even forget that there's even children around in in your sphere, that there's people here. Some of the rituals that we did for our children during that particular time was... um, we had family night on friday nights and on that family night was uh, nobody did anything else we all got together and we would go swimming we have a barbecue we watch a movie uh, but we we did games but we did something together on friday night well you know what there's ebbs and flows with rhythm we don't we can't do that anymore uh, with three adult children so that changes the seasons change but it's to just say there's a rhythm in it and you know what the worst thing to do is especially older women Oh, I wish Johnny was 10 again. I just wish I wish I could go back and just be in that season of my life again. You can't. The best thing to do is say, God, help me to love the season that I'm in and help me to accept my kids for where they're at. My goodness, they have kids of their own. Let, let them be parents. Treat them that way. It's huge for us to be able to say, I want to enjoy the season that I'm in right now. What's the cycle of life that I'm in right now? Help me to think that this is the best. And God will answer that prayer. When our babies were babies, I said, God, I want this to be the best season. And prior to having kids, we would do ministry together. And the hardest thing for me was to to watch Dave go off and do ministry. And I stayed home with the kids. And I was like, okay, God, this isn't fair because I want to be out doing stuff too. And I really had to work through that. And one thing that he showed me was that love the season that you're in. And I said, God, I'm sorry. Help me to. I want to think this is the best. Help me to absolutely value this season. And you know what? He answered that prayer. And then when they went into a school-age season... And I had left the, you know, they, where they're not at your feet all the time, and, and you're not the only one really giving into them and imparting. It's a big deal when they go off to school, and now you have other people putting their thoughts and their ideas into your kids. So, God, let this be the best season. I want to love this season, and I did. When they were teenagers, you hear enough about, oh, wait till they get to the teenage years. Don't buy into that. The teenage years are the best. And they are amazing. God, I want to love having teenagers. Teenagers bring a life to your family like no other. And teenagers, they laugh and they speak truth and they, they, they don't have a facade. Maybe that's why I'm still hanging out with the youth. I love that the, the, they're, they're just so honest. And if they love it, they love it. And if they don't, they'll tell you. And it's just so great to be around the life of teens, And enjoy that season. And if it's with with an an adult season or as your rhythm and your life goes to another season, it's to love that season and enjoy it. My grandmother is going to be 100 this year. And I just talked to her the other day. I talked to her on Mother's Day. And she prays for every single child, grandchild, -grandchild, great-grandchild, great-great-grandchild every day by name. And she goes through, and she goes, that takes, she goes, that pretty well takes my day. By the time I'm finished praying for all of you, I'm just tired, and it's time to go to bed. And, and, uh, but what a thrill to know that during that season of your life, it's not basically withering away, and I have nothing to do. She's still imparting into another generation. She's still giving into another generation. That's rhythm. That's saying, okay, this is where I'm at in my life, and I'm going to make the most of it, Lord, as you give me strength. Yeah, those teen years are really amazing. You know, one of the things about the teens is everything's magnified. Have you noticed that? When, maybe when you were a teenager, do you remember everything's magnified? When there's a failure, it is like nobody's gone through what I've gone through. And when something great happens and there's a success, like nobody's been higher than you are. Like it's the best and, and you want everybody to know about it and it's the greatest thing. And I, I, it's yeah, t- Teenagers are wonderful. It's wonderful in a cycle when you have teens in your life You're going to have teens in your life. You have teens in your life. There's teenagers in this church. And guess what, church? One day those teenagers are going to be leading us in worship. In fact, they already are. Those teenagers may be speaking a message to us. Those teenagers may be the ones going on the missions field, and they're coming back and reporting to you where you gave to and what's happened because of it. It is so key that we pray for our teens if there's any season where the devil wants to snatch them away from the house of God and say, that's boring. It's just a bunch of old people with that don't look like they're happy to be there. It's in those teen years. Let's just prove them different, right? And let's just prove that this is the place to be. And this is the best place to be and love being with them. It is a great time to pray for them and their friends and their love for the Lord and that they may, that they could be abandoned to Jesus. When our kids were teenagers, Along with praying for them, it would be training them and for our son, um, as to, you know, cleaning up in particular or, or doing little things. That's he'd say, Well, why do I have to do this? I said, Well, one day your wife will thank me for this. I'm training for her, not for you. I'm doing this for her, or for our daughters. It'd be like, Why do I have to do this? I said, Well, one day your husband's gonna thank me for this because you're gonna be a great wife, and it's just going beyond the now. We live so much in the now. It's like today, and if I can just get through today. Life isn't, God didn't put us in a rhythm and in a seasons just for today. We we have to look beyond the day. Go into the year. Go into the season. Go into this this wonderful, uh, the rhythm of life that he has us in, and it's so great. Then the next season is that young, adult, professional stage, and that's a great place of direction Do you remember when, if you might be in that place today, for those of you that have already bypassed that, do you remember the first time you saw your parents as people? It's like they're not just mom and dad. Like, they actually have thoughts. They actually have, they've got a life, and it's not me. And I I remember my first thought was like, oh, wow, my parents are actually people. Uh, It's it's really a good place to be at. And uh, there's an Irish preacher... C.H. McIntosh lived in the 19th century, and he said this, It's much better to be drawn by the joys of heaven than to be driven by the sorrows of earth. And it's often during that season, that young adult stage where the sorrows of this earth seem to be pushing you along and say, I, you know, how am I ever going to make it through school? And, and I don't like the way my, my situation is right now. And I just need to get past this. And, I, and they're looking so far ahead that they can't stop and enjoy this season of their life. So much better to just have your eyes focused on the author and the finisher of your faith. and Say, that's what I'm being drawn to. I'm being drawn into a life to serve God. I'm being drawn to, in a direction that's going to please Him. And what it does is it fuels you to go through and be in a rhythm a cycle of life that is so key. a uh, uh, ritual for us at that point and I didn't even realize it was a ritual was uh, when we were uh, in our early 20s we lived in Tennessee and there was a young uh, there was an older man by the name of a preacher Reverend uh, ME Littlefield who pastored a church called Faith Memorial Church that's still there today. In fact, I uh, just recently read that Uh, They are looking, it's been put to City Hall to change the name of the street that Faith Memorial is on to Littlefield Avenue because he's just impacted that city and he's since gone on to be with the Lord. But this was an elderly pastor, elderly being in his 60s, when, when you're in your 20s, 60s is old and he was and he was and we would, God made a supernatural connection often at this age group. We make a mistake and we just look to our peers for fellowship. And we don't look beyond the people that God could bring into your life. If you are in your 20s today and you're here and you don't have other people in an older age category in your life, pray for that. Because it puts great rhythm into your life. It brings great, uh, it just really rounds you out. And so we began hanging out with this guy and um, we actually every day. We would hang out with him. And we were like the kids that went to the next-door neighbor and said, can Brother Littlefield come out to play? And we would go knock on his door. And, of course, his wife Gladys would open the door. And she didn't like us very much. And uh, looking back, I really can't blame her because we never asked her to come along, ever. Never actually even thought to bring her along. And uh, and we would always take her husband out somewhere. We'd never stay there. We'd say, we just wanted to go for a drive and go for an ice cream because that was a really big deal to him to, to go out for ice cream. We'd go take him out, and then he'd drive us around, and he'd show us different things of, of people that he ministered to, and he'd just tell us stories. Often in the evening, he would come back after his service or um, maybe a hospital visitation or being out to visit someone. He'd stop by our little apartment, which had absolutely no furniture. We had two lawn chairs, the foldable lawn chairs, and then somebody felt sorry for us because we didn't have any lights, so they gave us a lamp, and we put it on an upside-down, a moving box so far. That was our table. And uh, he would come over, and in this little apartment, he would sit down on the best lawn chair and tell stories. And we'd just sit at his feet. And we'd say, tell us another one. Just tell us another one. And looking back now, 20 years later, the impact that that man had on our life, only God could have orchestrated that. But that was part of a cycle that I'm so glad we didn't resist. God may have someone like that for you in this cycle, in this season of your life, that he's trying to bring into your life so that he can not only produce fruit now, but also for the years to come and to bring it into other people's lives. Amen. And then you go into that 30 to 50 something where you're there's a dream and you've got your hand to the plow and you're moving on. And maybe things didn't quite work out the way you thought they were. And you're having to readjust and you're having to change things. But I love First Chronicles 4 verse 10. And I'm sure you've seen this before. It's called, we, we cap it as the prayer of Jabez. But it says, as Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh Lord, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. Why did God grant that to him? Because he knew that if he would bless him, he could trust Jabez to tr- to bless other people. He wasn't going to keep it for himself. He says, bless me because I want to be a blessing to others. Enlarge my territory so that I can, I can help more people. And then he goes on to say, and keep evil far from me. What a great thing to pray. pray. Keep evil far from me. And as we walk in that season of life, they said, God, Keep evil far. I don't know the thoughts and the intents of other people that are around me, but you sure do. And keep them far from me. If they're not for you, if they're against you, keep them away from me. And God's so faithful to answer that prayer and to to help us through that season. Then also going into that 60-something and the decades to follow, it should be the most delightful season of our lives. And I trust for everyone here, those that are in it, for those of us that are going to be going into it, If there's ever a season we should have the fruit of our labors, it should be during that time. If there's ever a time where the fruit of the Spirit should be dripping with the love, joy, peace, patience, it should be during that season And what a great opportunity for us to be able to be around people of those generations and and in those decades of their life to say, I want to pick on some of that kindness. In a very cruel world, it's nice to be around places where you have kindness and where you have goodness and be able to enjoy them. And as you enjoy them, guess what? They enjoy imparting back into you. And uh, there's a verse in Psalm 37. I love this verse. It says, I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed, their seed begging for bread. In other words, live, live full on for God in whatever season you're in, in that cycle of life. Live full on for Jesus and you will never see him forsake you. And that is, uh, is such a great promise for us. The end of the parenthesis is eternity. And uh, just before I close with that, I'm going to ask him to play one more clip going back to uh, Russell receiving his little badge. The following explorers will graduate to senior explorers. For extreme mountaineering lore, congratulations, Jimmy. For wild animal defensive arts, congratulations, Brandon. For assisting the elderly, Uh, Russell, is there someone that, uh... Excuse me. Pardon me. Old man coming through. I'm here for him. Congratulations, Russell. Sir? Russell, for assisting the elderly and for performing above and beyond the call of duty, I would like to award you the highest honor I can bestow, the Ellie Badge. So let's give a big explorer call to our brand new senior wilderness explorers. Ready everybody? Ra-ga! Blue one. Red one. Blue one. Gray one. Red one. That's a bike. It's red, isn't it? <laughs> Mr. Frederickson, you're cheating. No, I'm not. That's a fire hydrant. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I need new glasses. Oh, to allow the Lord to just bring people into our lives and, and bring those rituals that we so desperately need. On the end of that parenthesis, I said eternity. This is what D.L. Moody had said. Before he went on to that place, he said, someday you'll read in the papers that D.L. Moody of East Northfield is dead. Don't you believe a word of it? At that moment, I shall be more alive than I am now. I shall have gone up higher, that is all, out of this old clay tenement into a house that is immortal, a body that death cannot touch, that sin cannot taint, a body fashioned like into his glorious body. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to download free notes from this message or find out more information about Pastor Dave Coop? then we invite you to visit our website at www.coastalchurch.org.